0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started today. And uh, thank you all for being here on this wonderful, cold and wet Texas Sunday morning. Amen. Uh, Of course, it will always depend on how the 830 service goes, but I'm going to do my very best to try, at least for the next several weeks, to be over here uh, a little bit early so we can maybe get started no later than maybe 20 five till or 20 till because we we have a lot of material to cover um I need uh someone that brother brother Gus you want to do this brother Mark? okay uh I'm going to pass out um just so you'll have this outline this is going to be the outline that I will be following if I can get one of them off of there uh over the next several weeks there are about uh I wanted you to have one of these now I'm not going to be teaching off of this but this is the outline I'll be following so you'll have an idea of uh, it's on the front and back you'll have an idea of what I'm going to be covering in the order it will be chronologically but in the order that we're going to be teaching so everything that I'm going to be talking about over the next several weeks is on this outline, okay? And it'll start at the very first chapter and go through the very last chapter. And so we will, as much in, in detail as I am capable of, uh, we will deal with each of these items as, as we move forward. I want you to have a copy of that so you can, and just bring that with you every week or so we, we can kind of stay together. Um, the book of Revelation is an incredible book. Um. I think when you, when you talk about one book of the Bible being incredible, you're not, you're, not, you're not doing anything to diminish the importance of any other book. I don't want to do that at all. But what I do want to say is there are two books in the Bible that the devil hates more than all the other books. And one is the book of Genesis, and the other is the book of Revelation. The book of Gen- And that's why he came up with these damnable doctrines of of uh, evolution Uh, he would he hates the record of how God created the heavens and the earth he hates the record of himself being cast out of heaven he hates the record of man's having dominion over him and putting his heel on the devil's head and crushing his head so he will do everything he can to bring great confusion to the about the book of Genesis and that's why you know he has found a way into our colleges and into our movies and entertainment system to belittle uh, anything he can out of the book of Genesis fast forward to the book of Revelation he hates the book of Revelation because it is the final chapter and he his eternal demise is prophesied where he is going to be finished so if he can keep people out of the book of Revelation Uh, he's happy about that as well. So I'm not elevating these two books above all the rest of the Bible. I'm just simply saying the devil has a major problem with Genesis and Revelation and if he can cause confusion about the, the creation record, he'll do that and certainly if he can cause... Now, having said that, let's get to the book of Revelation. There's probably more confusion about this book than any other book in the Bible. And... I, I am going to resist the temptation to. Uh, there, there are at least four different viewpoints that are, in some way or, or the other, espoused in this in, in, about this book. Um, I'm not going to confuse you or go through all of those with you. So I'm going to simply tell you that I I believe exactly that the book of Revelation is exactly what it says it is and what it means. I don't think you can spiritualize and say it's all metaphors and it's 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 all types and symbols and none of this is going to happen. I believe that the book of Revelation is the inspired word of God and we're going to talk about the witness John, the the wonderful man of God that he was uh in his writing. And so we're going to look at the book of Revelation that these that most of the events in the book of Revelation have not yet taken place. Okay? Some of them have, and we'll go through that the next couple Sundays, but just so that you, so that you would know that, okay? We'll begin uh, in verse 1 today. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And I just want to stop right there. I, I won't stop every time. <laughs> I know I... Pro- I, know I... <laughs> This is not a good sign. I know that. <laughs> but the revelation is not about guns and bombs and, and countries and antichrist. It, that's all in there. But the, the revelation is about Jesus. It is, all, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ and his works in his church both, both at the time that John wrote it now and going forth into the uh, end times. So it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you just need to understand that's important, okay? Which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must, here here it is, shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Uh, Two things here so that you just understand that. The word shortly here in the King James comes from a word, it doesn't necessarily mean that it would take place immediately after the writing of these words. It seems that when it, when it starts to happen, when these events begin to happen, they will happen quickly, shortly. So in other words, once they start happening, they're gonna happen almost overnight. They'll just and we can see, you know, Paul said in whom, when he was writing first and second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy. Paul said the spirit of Antichrist is already present it's 2,000 years ago. We know that it is more than present today. It, it is, I said the spirit of Antichrist is more than just present today. The spirit of Antichrist is dominating today. And so, and so we'll talk about that. But he, he's talking about the fact that when these, things, when these events do start happening, they'll happen very quickly. They will, they will not. It's not going to take generations and centuries. It'll, it'll happen actually in a period of about seven years. So that's pretty short. Okay. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that he saw. Now blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time Is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia Grace be unto you, and peace from Him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto Him that loved us and washed us. From our sins in His own blood, and have made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and forever. Amen. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so, amen. Um, let's just kind of go through some of these verses t- today. First of all, uh, John, the Reve- who is the revelator, who, who has given this incredible word from the Lord, and it's signified to him by the angel of the Lord. Jesus, of course, will appear to John in just a few moments, and it's an incredible appearance. Um John is on the Isle of Patmos. The Bible said, "For the word of God's sake." In other words, he is Domitian. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Who is who is the Roman emperor has banished him from his church in Ephesus. Now, all of the churches we're going to talk about in this the seven church ages are in Asia Minor, or would today be modern-day Turkey. Uh, Since Davis and I've had the opportunity to be in two, maybe three of those churches uh uh the if you ever get to go uh to Turkey go to Ephesus. the remains of ancient Ephesus are probably uh better than anything you 're going to see in Israel or almost any other place in in rome uh it's an- amazing, the the church that John pastored the foundation is still there. I stood about where the pulpit would be when we were in Ephesus uh and stood where where John must have preached the word of the Lord for years. He has preached the word of God. He's now been banished to an isle called Patmos. Patmos is one of the Greek isles in the Aegean Sea. Uh, we also got a chance to be on that, on that uh, island. I'm actually going to bring you some photos as we move forward. Uh, we've been in the cave that, where John wrote the book of Revelation, saw the vision, and uh, I'll bring some photos of that maybe in the next couple of weeks. He's there on the Isle of Patmos, uh, banished there for the sake of the gospel. Uh, John has written uh, the book that bears his name, about 85 A.D. Now he is, according to historians, all the Bible historians would agree that at the time of this writing would be about 94 to 95 A.D. Also it would be, he would be the last of the of the 12 apostles, living 12 apostles. So technically, you got to remember that this is the last of the 12 apostles. This will be the last physical word that God will release to be put in his Bible. So when God began to choose these moments to say for the, for the last time, There will be words, there will be messages in tongues, interpretation. There will be sermons. There will be inspiration. There will be prophetic words given. But this will be the last time that pen and paper will be used for what God is about to say to the whole world. So you've got a a picture with me today. John on the Isle of Patmos uh, placed there because of his his witness and he would not uh, recant to the Roman Empire is about to hear from God in a way that very few people ever have. And so he begins to by giving you this record that, that, that God is speaking directly to him. And he, and, he, and, he, and he refers to Jesus as the first fruits from the dead, or the first fruits risen from the dead. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, first of all, it's incredible. Jesus was not the first person... That came back from the dead okay in the Old Testament uh, Elijah and Elisha raised the dead Jesus himself raised three people at least we know maybe more but why would the Bible say that Christ is the first fruits of them that was raised from the dead Christ is the but here's the, the other people that were raised from the dead would all die again y'all got it Jesus would raise from the dead to never die again and as such he is the first fruits. also Jesus is the only one who ever raised himself from the dead hallelujah Jesus said no man take my life I got the power to lay it down and I got the power to pick it back up again hallelujah praise God so he is the first fruits of those that have slept um, and, of course, when you realize these would be the last words, when you read the book of Revelation, you and I are reading the last chapter of God's last will and testament to the earth. So every, every verse, every sentence, every word, you hang on to that because it's, it's the last of the words that will ever be written. And so when he talks about us being kings, and we we are we kings and priests. He's made us kings and priests unto God, and 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 and, and he talks about the seven churches, and we're gonna and the reason I'm not gonna go through those right now because the next two chapters will deal with the seven churches, and uh, so he's talking about all these incredible things that God is doing, and I want to just give you a couple of these. Uh, then he says, he said I John was in the spirit. Well, let me go back. He said, he said, I want to go back. He said, Behold, every eye is going to see him, even those who pierced him. Uh, powerful revelation. The people who pierced him are dead. They're not going to be resurrected yet. The, those people will be resurrected in the, in the great general resurrection that will take place future in the book of Revelation. Revelation. So how would they see him? This phenomenon. Now there's two comings of the Lord. One for the church, and we'll, we'll get into all of that. It's, we're we're going to refer to the, the word rapture is not in the Bible. The word rapture itself is not in the Bible. The word that means rapture is in the Bible. It's a Greek word that means snatched up or snatched away or catching away. And so we use the word rapture. It is a, it's a good word. It just, just doesn't happen to be in the Scripture. So if somebody, if you, you know, I've had people begin to say, Oh, uh, Pastor, I, had to, I, I got in an argument with a guy at the church at work about the, the word rapture. I told him it was. I told my pastor to tell me exactly where it is. I said, I said, I hate to tell you, but I hope you didn't bet any money on that or nothing. But The word rapture is not in the, church, in the Bible, it, but the word that means rapture is in the Bible of course, time and time again. So there will be, and you will see this as we go forward, there will be the catching away of the church. And the Bible said that will be, amen, when, when, when Jesus comes for the first time, it's called the rapture of the church, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and they which are alive remain, that is the saints of God, will rise to meet him in the air. That's a secret catching away. You'll see that in Scripture. Amen. And then, And then seven years later, 7 years later Christ will come again with his saints on white horses and we the church will come riding with him amen and so there is the and that, and that is called the glorious appearing that's where the and that's what John is going to talk about here he's going to teach that when that happens when that event happens every eye is going to see him even those who pierced him even if they are in hell or shield even if they are not alive yet this is going to be such an incredible phenomenal event that every eye of every human being who has ever lived on this planet shall see him pretty amazing pretty amazing okay Uh, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about your companion in tribulation. Now he's not talking about the great tribulation. We'll show you the words that, that mean the, diff, the difference. He's talking about the tribulation that we all endure. Now, some of that could be severe tribulation. It'd be hard to tell, right? It'd be hard to tell the incredible, wonderful people in Nigeria this morning and last week, where uh, dozens and dozens of children in churches were, were, were murdered by, by extremists. It would be difficult to tell them that's not great tribulation. It'd be difficult to tell the saints of God in India right now that are having to, the, in, in, in the northern provinces up, up close to, to the, to the Burma, Burma area, it'd be hard to tell those saints of God who are living from day to day under the most severe kind of persecution that that's not tribulation. Of course it is. Our tribulation... Sometimes we think, well, well, we're really going through a whole lot because we just get discouraged. We're a little bit down. Couldn't pay that bill this week, and just didn't get sick stomach, whatever. That's not the tribulation. That that that, that is the common issue that all men and women go through, and we're all going to go through some stuff. And, and 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 you and you know, right now there the, the spirit of Antichrist in this nation right now there is a rising of persecution. There is a. It used to be a very silent kind of thing going on, but now it's blatant. It's blatant. You, you know, we. You know, the the liberal judge struck down. You know, our constitutional amendment for for marriage between a man and a woman last week. There, I, I, I'm telling you, there, there is a rise against Christianity taking place in this country, and and we're going to see it increase and increase, and, and the only the only. Anecdote. the only change the only agent that can change that is the people of God through prayer yes. prayer is the only thing that's gonna change prayer is gonna bring revival prayer is gonna bring a turnaround prayer will, will bring the glory to bear so when we can't listen we need to be praying church we need to be praying 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 because it's that very important all right uh, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Two things about that. Of course, we know the Lord's day is any day that we uh, begin to worship him. He said, but, but on the Lord's day, this, the first day of the week, Christ had, had, had risen. The church, the early church adopted the first day of the week. Sunday is a time of worship. Paul tells us not to really that we ought to be worshiping him every day and every, in, in every day, so not just on Sunday, but he was, in, he was on the Lord's day, and he said, "I was in the spirit, on the Lord's day. My soul was in the spirit. My life, my head, I, was, I was worshiping, I was praising. I was How do you get in the spirit? You get in the spirit through worshiping, you get in prayer and praise, you get in the spirit, all right? And he said, I heard behind me a great voice, and it sounded like a trumpet. Saying I an Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And then he, he names those churches Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And we'll talk, each one of those churches are dealt with in the next two chapters, so I'll wait and talk to you about those churches then. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me in Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, girt about the pouch with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were like white as wool and white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet were like unto brass, fine brass, as if they had been burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Y'all know about the waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and the countenance was as such the sun shineth in his strength. Now, this is an amazing visitation of the Lord Jesus to John. To John. Um, I want to talk about... uh, I want to, before I go, I want to give you... Uh, we're going to talk about the seven distinct churches a uh, uh next week, but I want to give you a little information these seven churches that are listed were were actual in existence, so this part of what John saw was going on presently okay so there there are three things that that God said he was going to show john things that are things that are things that 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 how been things that are and things that are to come so the the book of Revelation is divided into three sections things present things past things present and things that are to come Uh, the majority of the book of Revelation from chapter 4 all the way through chapter 22 have yet to to, to be fulfilled okay but these seven churches that were actually in existence uh, John who pastored the church at Ephesus Probably, since he is the last living apostle, is probably the bishop over all of these churches and over all the pastors of these churches. And yet, it is believed by Bible scholars that each of these churches also typified prophetically a future event in that there was the seven, and we call, they call them church, it's called church ages, seven church ages. And let me just give you a little information about those if you want to write this down. Uh, historically, they were, they were existing in John's time in, in 95 A.D., represent the entire church through seven types of local churches which shall exist throughout the dispensation. And the seven periods are, are usually as this. Ephesus is the apostolic church, and that's from year, the year 30 to 100 A.D. Ephesus, the apostolic church. Smyrna, the persecuted church from 100 A.D. To 313 A.D. When you go back. Now how do, they fig, how do they figure this out? Well you go back and study the, what went on in history. Throughout all the time since the book of Revelation was written in 95 A.D. And you, you begin to piece together uh, what happened in the world uh, with the church. Pergamos would be the state church. The state church. 313 to 590 A.D. And I'll go through all of that with you when we get ready to study that. Thyatira is the papal church. The papal or the, the church when the pope was, came in and and, and, the, and we'll go through all of that as well. So that you'll understand that uh, there was the true church all the way through that. There was the true, true church all the way through that. And then there was the Roman church, the church of Rome. Called, and so we refer to that as the papal or the pope. Papal, P-A-P-A-L, church. And that would have lasted through 1517 when Martin Luther, of course, uh, made some great changes. Sardis, the Reformed church. And that would be from 1517 to 1790, the Reformed church. Philadelphia, beginning in the year 1730 through uh, 1900, would be the missionary church. The missionary church. And then Laodicea, the last church, and the last church aid would be the apostate church or the backslidden church. And that would be roughly from uh, 1900 to the coming of the Lord. So, you know, you'd have to admit that even though we are part of the Philadelphia, the true body of Christ... The true body of Christ is part of the church of Philadelphia. We're the church, he said, who have not denied the name of Jesus. The church who has, has helped on, we have enough strength, we're still holding on. And God's going to step before that church an, a, an open door, it can't be closed. All right? But this is all going on. How many of you have to admit that we're living in a backslidden society? Laodicea, as you will find out, was the church that Jesus wanted to spew out of his mouth. Because he said, you were not hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. I want to spew you out of my mouth. That church period is the church period that we're living in right now. It is a church. It is a time when the church is backslidden. There's still a, there's still a remnant that's not and a church that's not. But when you see, when you see on Channel 4 News last night uh, a, a United Methodist pastor, did you see that? I had to turn it off. It was hurting my heart so badly. And, 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 and yet I heard him say the United Methodist Church needs to embrace the full gospel. We're not preaching, unless we marry gay people, we're not preaching the full gospel. Does that sound like apostate to you? Does that sound like backsliding? Does that sound like a, listen... This world is in a lukewarm condition, and I'm going to tell you what. It is a difficult task of any church and any dispensation to keep the fire of God and the power of God alive when you're being bombarded with this kind of atmosphere and this type of society. But yet, you're going to find out that the glory of God will be returned to the remnant church. And even in the midst of Laodicea, as a church age, there will be a church called the Church of Philadelphia that will rise up with the glory of God and will show forth the glory of God, amen, and help and will be alive at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we call the rapture of the church. So those would give you just a, the dates of, 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 uh, of these, uh, these church ages. I saw seven golden lampstands, uh, of course, lampstands have to do with light. Jesus said, "You are the light of the world." Uh, now we are not. The church is not. We are. We are the lampstands. We're not the light. Jesus is the light through us. But we have to be. So we are the lampstands. We are. We are the lower lights. There's a lighthouse on the hillside, and you had the lower lights that kept the ships from from coming in and being crushed by the stones or by the great rocks around the coastline. And so the church is that. Christ is the light on the hillside. He is the true light, but the church is, are the lower light. Let the lower lights be burning. Amen. And so he is, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Amen. And he says there, we give the light. We are not the light, but we give the light. All right. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man. I want to talk just a little bit here, and we're going to close for prayer. Uh, the vision of Christ here is graphic, not only of Christ and his glory, but of his relationship to the churches of his day and the churches of all ages. Um, think about this. John said, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now, remember this. I got This is so incredible. Remember the last time that John... You, you, you remember how much the Bible said Jesus loved John and, they, and the relationship they had? You remember there, even when Jesus, the, the Bible said that John lay his head up on the chest of Jesus. They, they were so close, and he, he, he had been able to have that kind of relationship. He could, he could touch him, and, and he, could, he sat next to him, and Jesus loved John, the Bible said. And John would lay his head and at, that, at the time of the Lord's Supper, and, and Jesus allowed John to lay his head on his shoulder. And this loving, intimate, incredible uh, respect. And now the same Jesus shows up. And he can't even stand up in his presence now. He used to could lean over on him and hug him. But now he sees him. And he said, I fell as dead. I'm the same guy that used to could lay my head on his shoulder. But now in his resurrected and glorified state that he now exists in his church and in his body. And if he looked that way, amen, in 95 A.D., that's how he looked right now. If he was standing in the midst of the seven church ages and the seven churches, uh, he's standing in our midst today. Hallelujah. Could I tell you that in any moment uh, that you and I want to worship him, you can look and see him, and you're going to see him in his glory. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, he said, write, therefore, what you have seen. But but I love what he said to John. I love what he said to John. Uh, And I saw him, and I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid, I love this. And Jesus laid his right hand upon John, saying unto him, unto me, fear not. How many times, you reckon, has John heard that? Throughout throughout the ministry of Jesus, what did he say? When he was walking on the water, fear not. Fear not. Fear not, I'm with thee. Fear not. Fear not. Over and over and over. And now John is falling at his feet, is dead, and Jesus comes over in his glorified condition. And I'm going to talk about what every one of these things mean. We'll have to do that next Sunday. I didn't get very far today. <laughs> is that okay? Are we okay? Yeah. All right. We got to get, you know, we'll, we'll get there, but. John is lying at Christ's feet as though he were dead. And Jesus comes over, puts his hand on his shoulder and said, don't fear, John. I just think that's so awesome. In his glorified condition, position, and his power. And when we talk about each one of these descriptive things that, that describe Christ, and yet he still allowed John to. And all of us, whose names aren't John, to come into his presence. He still lays his hand upon us and says, fear not, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will go with you even at the end of the world. Hallelujah. Write these things. Oh, I "I am the first. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Hallelujah. We'll talk a little bit about that. Write these things which there has seen, and th- that's past, and the things which are present, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden sticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So no, you don't have to wonder what this is. He explains it. He explains it right here. He calls the seven stars are the angels to the seven churches. Now, um, two 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 things about that. One is, I love how I love how, uh, uh, I, love how uh, I love how my old professor S. G. Norris at at, a, at my seminary used to say. He said, "I'm going to believe that that's pastors." He said, because they get called a whole lot of things in this world and everyone's whether they ought to be called angels. Well, it, it you're going to find out it is a pastor or, or a bishop or an overseer. It is also, you'll also find out that the church has angels. And every church has angels. Just like your ch- you have a guardian angel, every church has angels. We've seen some of them around here before. We have literally seen angels sister davis and i there was an angel in our house five years ago uh in our front bedroom uh a mighty warring angel that came at a time when we were struggling we were personally struggling not 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 just the church but we were personally struggling and and an angel appeared in our house as a mighty warring angel i'm just going to tell you that the church has angels your family has angels Praise God. And the Bible said, be careful to entertain strangers because you're going to entertain angels and not even know they're an angel. Amen. And also, J- Jesus said, I have given pastors, my ministers, I've given them angelic assistance, and also they are going to be called angels. And, and I'll just read verse 1, and we'll done a second, chapter 2 and this is just kind of ties together and unto the angel of the church at ephesus he's giving a sermon how many of you know that angels don't preach sermons the bible says they don't they they war for us they protect us but god has chosen man through the foolishness of preaching for the lost to be saved angels do not preach angels will aid us in the harvest so God's going to give a message to this church, and he has to, and So he's going to have to give it to a man. So the angel here has to be a, a a a minister, a preacher, a pastor. All right, okay. We'll stop right there and get ready here for prayer. And uh, thank you uh, for being patient with me today, and give me a little chance to. I'm going to. We're going to go about four or five chapters into this, and then I'm going to bring some charts for you we working off the big screen up here on some charts i I want you now because once we get past up through chapter four everything is going to be pretty self-explanatory at least up through the beginning of chapter four we get into the the latter part of chapter four verses then in five and six then we're going to get into some what what i call meat deep water and meat okay and we'll need to just kind of take our time so so please Uh, I'm not going to rush when we get to that part. If it takes us weeks and weeks to get through that, you just have to be patient with me because I don't want you to, rather it'd be better for me to take my time and you get it than get confused. So I, I don't want you to get confused, okay? All right? Well, Father, we thank you today for your mercy, grace, and goodness. Just ask you to be with us today. Help us, Lord, to receive the blessing of the book of Revelation. You said there's a special blessing to those who read it and those who hear it. And those who keep it. And so we ask you today for that blessing upon this church and upon this house. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your promised return. We thank you for the promised revival in the last days. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Glenn Davis from Abundant Life Church in Garland, Texas, and so happy that you are joining with me today. This is my first podcast. I'll be coming back at you here very shortly every day. Uh, Just got some great news uh, because many of you have requested uh, lessons that I have taught over the years on the book of Revelation. And so as we proceed in the podcast, I'm going to be uploading Uh, a portion of the book of Revelation that I have taught over the years. So uh, we actually uh, are going to allow you to walk with us in a live class setting uh, that was taught in the 930 adult Sunday school class at Abundant Live Church. And I am so very, very excited about that. And so we'll get back with you On all of that, but uh, anyway, be looking forward uh, and be looking for us. Uh, I am going to uh, daily bring some thoughts to you as well, and we're looking forward to it. The Lord bless you. Bye-bye. Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Glenn Davis from Abundant Life Church in Garland, Texas, and so happy that you are joining with me today. This is my first podcast. I'll be coming back at you here very shortly, every day, uh, just got some great news uh, because many of you have requested uh, lessons that I have taught over the years on the book of Revelation. And so as we proceed in the podcast, I'm going to be uploading uh, a portion of the book of Revelation that I have taught over the years. So uh, we actually uh, are going to allow you to walk with us in a live class setting uh, that was taught in the 930 adult Sunday school class at Abundant Live Church. And I am so very, very excited about that. And so we'll get back with you on all of that. But uh, anyway, be looking forward uh, and be looking for us. Uh, I am going to uh, daily bring some thoughts to you as well. And we're looking forward to it. The Lord bless you. Bye-bye.